0: Hi, my name is Alevin Young, coach of the Flyers.
1: Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, I'm Paul Holdren. Hi, I'm Matt Neskno. Hey, I'm Scott Lutton. Hi, I'm Joel Faraby. Oh, this is Scott Gordon. Hi, this is Brock Clark. you're listening to, the to Snow, the Snow, Snow, the Snow, Snow the Goalie. Snow the Goalie. Snow the Goalie. Snow the Goalie. Snow the
0: Goalie. Snow the Goalie. Snow the Goalie. Snow the Goalie. Oh, yes! Ladies and gentlemen, we're back. We're better than ever. I said that earlier this week on Crossing Broadcast. If you unsubscribe to that because we hadn't done a show since May resubscribe. But I said this the other day, and I'll say it again. We're back and better than ever. And no, it's not because we still don't have an election result. We're back and we're better than ever because we feel slightly rejuvenated. It feels like there's actually life back in the Philadelphia sports scene. The Eagles went and beat a bad team and everybody lost their mind. And well, the Sixers are turning things around. You know what? The Flyers haven't really done anything, but Sometimes not doing anything isn't the worst thing. So we're here to talk about it. We've got plenty of things to discuss, I'm sure. My dear friend, Anthony Sanfilippo, who, you know, I I said when I voted that I voted for an old man. And one of our superfans, Mbilivus, came on Twitter and and said, you voted for Anthony. So let me introduce to you my third-party candidate. He's just <laughs> as old as the other two. Anthony Sanfilippo, find him on Twitter at AntSanPhilly. Anthony, how are you?
1: Oh, I couldn't be better, Russ. You know, it's it's just a wonderful day in the neighborhood. Uh everything is is just uh couldn't be better in in, in this country right now. You got everybody fighting with each other, everybody yelling at each other, screaming at each other. Um it's just it's and it, and it's it's all about a lack of being able to communicate and understand one another. And that's that's just
0: a a, a sad, sad state of affairs. That no one can communicate with each other? Well, listen, no, no one can. No listen, one can. we are here to communicate. We are here to bridge We try. We try, Russ. We try to communicate. We are here to bridge the gap between the Robert Haig supporters and the Shane Gosses Bear fans, okay? <laughs> and we know that the Venn diagram it couldn't be any more different. Those are two circles that fall off the page on the opposite ends. But we are here to try to speak some truth, And just a a little bit of, of help to each of those, uh, those groups, Anthony, I, you know, the last time we did an episode, I said that I thought that Chuck Fletcher still had some moves left in him. Um, It's not over yet. Right. I mean, we're still at least two months away from the start of the season, at least Um, possibly from a bubble to start the season again. But I am a little bit surprised that things have died off like, like they have. I am surprised that the initial um, the initial fervor that, that came out about the potential of hockey trades has really kind of gone mum. I mean, it's, it's pretty much muted. If, if there were a hot stove, we cut the gas line. There's nothing going on right now, at least in Flyerland. You know, you've Are been you around. Are you kidding? You've Ross, been I mean, could, there's gonna... so
1: much going on. We have the, the new Flyers third jersey that we haven't talked about. Um, did we even really discuss, uh, you know, Eric Gustafson all that much? I think we did. No, did we? I mean, it was. I didn't think we, we did. got that much into it. I mean, Ivan Provorov wasn't listed as the top 25 defenseman on
0: the NHL Network poll. Like, there's a lot to, to talk about, right? Is there? So <laughs> – let me ask you, since you've been around, you've been around the sport for long enough because you are 75, um, are you surprised that, that there haven't been more moves or is this really going to come down to something that Chuck Fletcher said about a month ago now where he stated that, you know, at some point the reality is going to kick in that the teams that are 20 per, or was 10% over the cap are going to have to come back down. And that's when some hockey trades are going to happen. Are Is that what we're doing? Are we just kind of waiting for the inevitable other shoe to drop, or do you think that this is really a a, a situation where teams are kind of panicking because they don't know what the future financial situation of the league is going to be? So nobody really wants to take on salary until we have a better idea of what to expect in two months.
1: Yeah, I think that that's. I think that's more the latter than anything else. I think it's it's a very slow play. Um, I think teams addressed needs and free agency that they could. Um, I mean there's there's still some free agents that haven't signed that you'd be stunned if it was you know July first and then a month later they were still unsigned, right? If it was August first and they still had no contract. but that's the the way of the of the hockey world,'s the way of the sports world uh, in in the midst of Covid nineteen. And um, I think it's just a matter of teams waiting to see, what's going to happen I mean, there's a lot going on um around us like you know and I wanted to get into this at some point today but like I, I find it absolutely ridiculous that the OHL is going to come back without checking
0: <laughs> yeah
1: in hockey like what the hell is, how do you plan on developing <laughs> players if you're not gonna not the hit each not to touch each other what are you? Pl- what sport are you playing?
0: Well, they're also not going to be using the dressing rooms. They're going to have the guys get dressed in each uh, section. They're going to just space everybody out. Every other section. I'm, I'm I'm kidding. That's not true. But it is like it's beyond silly. It's one thing if you said we're going to ban fighting, which I, the the rare occurrence that it happens at this point anyway, really wouldn't make much of a difference. But the idea that there's not supposed to be any physical contact. You're right. Like, what's the point of bringing the sport back?
1: Right, and then and then the AHL, which is you know your next level de- of you know, development after the after junior hockey, um, they're saying February, if at all, um, to play. And, and so it's like, well, okay, where are your guys playing there? So it, in a lot of ways, it's going to be akin to what baseball um, faced. In the sense that they didn't have any minor league baseball. And so they just kind of had like a training se- session yeah. or, uh, yeah, a training session for all their non rostered players, all their non uh, major league rostered players. Um, and, and so the Flyers might have something like that, just guys training together at Voorhees that aren't playing, uh, maybe just playing some like pickup games kind of stuff. Um, the the flyers, you know, to their credit and other teams have done this as well. I mean, there are leagues going on in Europe right now. Um, so they've loaned some, some prospects out to European leagues, uh, to have them play over overseas, um, at least get some action in, uh, it's, it's not ideal, but it's better than nothing. Um, so teams are doing that, but there's only so many roster spots to go around for even that because there are players who play in those leagues full time. Right. Yep. it's really kind of just a, a wait and see. And until the NHL has a finalized plan about how everything is going to work, A, as in the number of games you're going to play, um, B, where those games are going to be played, and C, what you're going to be able to do roster size-wise and where your teams are going to be able to practice and and where they might play if there is no AHL. Um, you know, Will there be exceptions made for junior hockey players that are different from the current rules? um like there's a lot of things that really kind of have to be figured out that are still unknown until you have any real handle on that i think most teams are just going to sit back and say let's just stick with what we have and you know we filled the the holes that we needed to fill just so we could have a roster and then as we get closer to the start of the season whenever that may be then we'll see maybe some more activity take place likely more in the way of trades but also some. you know, like I said, there are some free agents still out there. I, I think you, you'll see a few signings as well. And, and I think that that's kind of where it's at. So I don't think Chuck and the Flyers are in any different spot than really anybody else is at this point. I just think that he, you know, wanted to be a little bit more cautious in free agency than a couple other teams were. And and, and I don't begrudge them that because, uh, you know, no, if you're planning not just 2020, 2021, but the next two seasons beyond, you don't want to lock yourself into money that you can't really that'll that'll anchor you down and not be able to improve a team to have a chance to win a Stanley Cup over the course of the next two to three years. So, um, so I, I'm I'm kind of okay with it, even though even though there was a slight step back. Uh, and I, at this point in my mind, um, roster wise, I don't think it was anything that was so crucial that it would say well the flyers are now back to being a borderline playoff team again i think that as situated they're they're certainly good enough to be amongst the top 3 teams in the metropolitan division and then take it from there right i mean and, and see what happens you know between now and the start of whatever season we may have and will there be a trade deadline in season you can always make
0: adjustments then as well I kind of wonder if at some point, you know, to your point about the the AHL, you know, if they're going to come back February or or at all. I wonder if maybe the the NHL has to consider the possibility of expanding rosters just to keep guys around and then do what's best for players, which might end up being sending a vast majority of them abroad. And you know, you did raise the the issue which is that there are plenty of players in these other leagues that are there full time. Uh, maybe you just kind of let the free market decide. Um, I don't know if there's a, a a way to try to partner with other systems uh, abroad as a way to try to make like a feeder system. But the idea to me that imagine what it would be like to be a young player who's, you know, hoping to catch the eye of the organization and, and you've now lost effectively what a season and a half. If this season doesn't happen, it could be even worse. If you're a, you know, typical in a tweener between the AHL and NHL you're not really being given much of an opportunity to crack into the uh the NHL roster sure training camp is going to be a thing and, and maybe that'll be a the way that some of these guys are going to be able to make a team but you know what's the alternative like you were saying you know maybe you can have some guys that are just constantly training in Voorhees that are just kind of at the ready in case there's an injury or or you decide that you want to make it some kind of a, a shake-up but it's a really bad position, I think for a lot of guys in this league and, and not just for those who have made it to the NHL, but, but those who are also trying to look to, to catch the eye of either their organization or play well in the AHL and get to a position where, you know, maybe you catch the eye of a, another organization. Somebody else wants to take a chance on you. You don't have that now. And I think it's a shame because roster flexibility is something that I think, you know, every team should have, um, the idea that rosters could theoretically be so rigid, it's just taking away opportunities for a lot of guys. And, you know, you kind of pair that, I think with the uncertainty of the financial, um, situation that that's going to surround the league. The fact that it's a flat cap this year, it very well could be the following year. You look at some of the free agents that are still available. Many of them are, uh, like the bigger name guys that you're, you would think of are somewhere in their, their late thirties. You know, you look at Zidane Chara still unsigned, 43 years old. Ilya Kovalchuk, to me, like this kind of, I, I would think slams the door on him making a return to the NHL. It would seem more likely that he maybe goes abroad and plays. Um, you wonder what this does to the Grandlands of the world or to the Duclairs of the world who still remain unsigned. And... You know, imagine from their perspective as well. You know, we talked about months ago the idea that you know Grandlin could be somebody that has a tie to Chuck Fletcher, is somebody that the organization might have wanted to take a look at. You're kind of on these one-year prove-it deals, right? Like you almost feel like the guys that remain that are of any real value might have to go the Taylor Hall route, and and you might have to play for a team that really isn't a contender. Uh, You might have to play for a team that's looking just to get to the salary floor. Or you might have to take a real significant salary cut to play for a contending team. But the idea that anybody's going to go out and get, you know, a, a four or five-year contract at this point uh, at, like, let's say, a, a $5 million cap hit or higher. I mean, look at the last few signings that have gone through. Uh, the Islanders re-signed Ryan Pollock to a, a two-year $10 million deal. He was an RFA. Uh, the Red Wings signed, you know, one somewhat large contract that was, what, about $5 million a year. I believe, to Anthony Mantha. Um, and then other than that, it's been all one-year deals. Every deal that had been signed previous in November w- was a one-year deal. You even go back into October, they're all one-year deals, two-year deals. Uh, the Maple Leafs signed Hutchinson to a two-year, $1.45 million contract. They signed Joey Anderson to a three-year, $2.25 million contract. Like, guys who have been waiting their career or have been waiting for a while to hit free agency are getting, I mean, it's, it has to be an absolute buzzkill and you know, uh, I'm looking for the last time that somebody prior to uh, the one that I mentioned before had signed to anything beyond a two-year deal. It was October 27th. Uh, Devin Taves with uh, Colorado was a four-year deal for about four million. But you're not seeing these ridiculously high salaries. What did I say? It's the the highest salary that we saw was about five million annual. Um, it's just not a good. It's not a good market for players, and I think for teams like this, this maybe if nothing else. Could be a situation that could benefit some fringe teams, some fringe playoff teams that you can maybe flash a little bit of capital in the hopes that, you know, you can sway one of these guys to do a one year prove it deal. But I feel like the 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 air has kind of come out of the bubble on the NHL right now. Like this to me should be a time that, you know, the the draft is done. The big free agents have have been signed. We should be seeing some kind of flurry of action, and just because of the financial uncertainty, we're not getting it. And that, to me, almost makes it feel like hockey's even farther away from starting than you know a, a January hopeful deadline would would make it seem. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment.
1: That is a harsh lesson in business.
0: Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
1: Yeah, um, you know, you you, you made a lot of good points in there. The one name you didn't mention, which I think is an interesting name, um, uh, more so because he's a one-way kind of player I mean he's an offensive-minded player only and that's Mike Hoffman he's only 30 years old he had 29 goals last year uh, 59 points um, he's not signed and you know you look teams need a sniper including the Flyers but he's a, def- a big-time defensive liability Um, and that's probably the reason why teams aren't willing to commit to him other than maybe something like a one-year deal or if you're going to go you know more than a year it's got to be at a very uh, low salary uh, very low cap hit and that's tough I mean here's a guy that you know what's six consecutive seasons of 20 goals or more had 36 for Florida in 18-19 I mean guys like that don't just grow on trees. Um, But again, you know, he's not very responsible defensively, which is why he's not getting the the contract. And so, you know, it'll be interesting to see where somebody like him goes. Does Mike Hoffman sign with a uncompetitive team and hope to get traded to a, you know, on a short one-year deal and then get traded to a team at the deadline? Or does he sit there and say, you know what, I want to try and win, because I've played for crap teams my whole career when he's been with Ottawa and and Florida. Um, And do I, you know, take a, a, you know, smaller salary to join a team where I think I can help them win, you know, or or try to win a Stanley cup. Um, And and that's gotta be a tough decision for both a player and his agent to to kind of figure out. Um, But yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, that's kind of where that's kind of where it's at right now. And it's kind of, you know, the air, you feel like it's like, yeah, Well, yeah, like like, there was so much energy and excitement about the restart of hockey, and the bubble went great, and the the league did a really good job with it. And then we had we went right into the draft and right into free agency, and and then it's just like it went off the cliff at, at that point. And it's almost like if you the one thing I think that the NHL had a chance to do over, if they look back at it and said maybe if they would have spread this out a little bit. Just a little bit instead of wrapping up the Stanley Cup and into you know the next week do the draft and then the next week start free agency. Almost like say, okay, we finished the season, let's take a breath, let's wait a few weeks, then have the draft, give it a couple weeks, then start free agency. Get us to the holidays, man. Get us to Thanksgiving because you know, between th- Thanksgiving and Christmas, that month flies by for reasons that are not sports related right I mean that month flies by because of, of the holiday right and then all the all the stuff that goes with it and, and then all of a sudden you're at January 1 which is still the you know the last target date we heard for the start of the NHL season um and, and then you get you know you're closer to that and it gets more exciting at that point I think that the, that by jamming everything in to try and wrap up what would have been the summer um by the second week of october you know end of september second week of october and then giving us this two month downtime before you would potentially start a training camp i think that that's where the you know the, the the engine has sputtered for the league and i think that if they had a chance to do it over again they may
0: have spread this out a little bit longer It's a shame because the momentum's gone and it just feels like they're not even part of the news cycle at this point no You know, and even in town, like they're coming off of the most successful season of any of the teams, the Philadelphia Union, of course, excluded, who can win the uh, supporter shield this weekend? But win what? The supporter shield. It's like the president's shield. It's like the president's trophy. What the hell is the supporter shield? What do I just explained it to you? Okay. You do you listen when I talk? Hold
1: on a second. What was the? And now, now I'm a I'm soccer illiterate. Okay. What was what was the, what
0: what the did they play for this summer? They played the MLS's back tournament, which took the place of the Lamar Hunt Open Cup.
1: <laughs> and so, now they're playing for the Supporter Shield.
0: Well, no, the Supporter Shield is just like the President's Trophy. Is this what they. is just like the championship, the, no. No. the championship trophy of the MLS? That is a perfect. Is that what they call the championship trophy of the MLS? No. What's
1: the championship trophy of the MLS? Hold on a
0: second. You're, well, you're missing answer the my question. That's the MLS Cup. That's the MLS, MLS Cup. First. When do they play for that? That's when the season's over, right? That's the regular that's the playoffs.
1: So the supporter shield is a an award that you get before the season is over?
0: Yeah, if you have the most points in the league. Okay. Which is what I'm saying. It's that's what I was, But that
1: doesn't necessarily mean that to... they're
0: gonna go further than the Flyers went. It no, just but, means that they had that they're no, going to be but the I'm, number one I'm seed saying, in the Yeah, MLS. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm saying they had the most successful season. Except for maybe the union, who could theoretically compete for the for the MLS Cup. But what I'm saying is, you know, it felt like there was a, a lot of hype around the team and then it kind of like petered out. Like I think, if, you know, I, I think pretty much anybody would say that the way that things ended against the Islanders left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths about a lot of different players on this team. Um, and the Sixers had absolutely no juice. And then you saw what happened. The Sixers go out and get Doc Rivers to be their coach who is overrated, but is still a, a name with clout. They go out and they somehow fail upwards into getting Daryl Morey, who's one of the best front office executives in the last decade in the NBA. And now all of a sudden, the Sixers have new life. And here's the other thing. We still haven't had in the NBA, there still hasn't been the draft. And free agency is still looming. And so this, I think, comes back to your point. There was a window to get things done and there was a window to try to take advantage and, and to try to keep yourself in the news cycle. And that would have been by spreading it out. And they didn't spread it out. And so now it's just, you know, football is going to dominate the headlines. Major League Baseball is done for a while. The NBA is probably going to start getting some juice again, if for no other reason than the the networks like ESPN that own the rights need to have something to talk about. And it's certainly not going to be the NHL. And so I think they kind of screwed this up. I think we're both in agreement that they messed this thing up. There's no way to recapture that magic. The only thing that can happen now to bring any eyes to the NHL in the next month and a half or so would be a flurry of trades or would be a few big trades. And until I think there's more stability or, or an understanding of what the financial situation is going to look like in this league, I don't see it. I could definitely see mid December things getting like things heating up because you would assume by mid September there are probably going to be training camps either starting up or underway. I'm expecting this league to start maybe mid January. I don't think that the uh, around New Year's Day thing is realistic. I think the I think the February lo- is more likely to be honest with you. Well, the longer the case numbers continue to go up in the country, the the less likely it is that you're going to see cities willing to have indoor arenas filled with uh with fans and even then we've talked about this a million times but gate revenue is a is a major thing and everything else that has to be open in the arena you're going to probably be taking losses if your teams so you really don't want to open up until you can get near full arenas or something similar well, right well
1: let me well let me ask you this um so we we went through this discussion in the last episode that we did about 3 weeks ago and we talked about the potential of starting the season um, you know, n- knowing you're going to play an 82 game season, but maybe starting it in a bubble somewhere um, and maybe play the first quarter of the season um, or 20 or even a little bit more than that, maybe like 25 games in the bubble before you then return to your home arenas. Right. Yep. Um, but what if you take it instead of doing that? What if you went the route that major league baseball went and for, just follow me here for a second, but learn from, you know, the mistakes that they made, um, which, were bad at first got a lot better and then there were a couple of instances at the end that were kind of you know pathetic but at the same time baseball did like running out on like running out on the field after you got pulled. yes baseball but baseball
0: positive and
1: baseball did correct itself um after the cardinals i mean the marlins thing happened and then the cardinals thing happened and then they kind of corrected themselves once it happened a second time right um but maybe take that model and basically say here's what we're going to do we're just going to play these games in these home arenas. Teams will travel. Maybe instead of playing, you know, going city to city to city, maybe you, we fly, you know, four teams into a city and you play each other like a little round robin kind of thing and then you guys leave and then go to another city and play in another little round robin like four teams together in the same city. No fans. Mm-hmm. And you do that. Until you're allowed to bring back fans, at which point then you finalize the remainder of the schedule. But until that point, what you're basically doing is saying, We're going to play some games. We'll bring three, four teams in, and you'll play, you know, we'll have a game on Thursday, game on Friday, game on Saturday, game on Sunday, whatever, over the course of a weekend. And then you'll get a couple days off, and then you'll go to your next city, you know, and the Canadian teams will probably just have to play themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah, you'll probably have a seven-team Canadian division, and then you'll have what eight, eight and eight. Does that make sense? Eight, sixteen, twenty-four, thirty-one. Yeah, eight, eight and eight in the other divisions. Um, and just kind of you know four teams kind of bubble it, bubble it, boom, boom, boom. Not really a bubble. I don't want to make it a bubble per se,
0: but just kind of Brown Robbins. See, yeah. I I wouldn't be opposed. I know that this wouldn't go over well. I wouldn't be opposed to there being. Uh, conference realignment for the season, but you could break it up almost like the season's been split in two. I know you're going to love this. This is almost like a soccer idea. So imagine if you you did what was effectively a Canadian division, and I know Canada's big, so it might not be fair to Canada, but too bad. And then you did a a Western conference, you did a Midwestern conference, and you did an Eastern conference or division, whatever you want to call it. And kind of going off of what MLB did, you said, All right, everybody who's on the East Coast, or however you want to divide it, you're not only going to play in these like cute round robin ideas, but like, what if you just said you're only going to be traveling to these, I don't know, six, seven other teams' arenas? And instead of having to hang out for the whole weekend, it's just you're, you are responsible for only going to those different cities. And then maybe, say a quarter of the season in, all of those games still count towards the regular season standings. All of those points still count. But you could almost do like a like a mini tournament, like a mini playoff tournament that kind of ushers in. You would hope by like March or April, there's some kind of an idea that things open back up and maybe you're allowed to have a lot more fans in arenas, a vaccine is out. Like maybe you have almost like a mid-season tournament where you're going to crown a champion of this weird conference realignment All of those games still count to regular season standings with the exception of like what a postseason would be, right? Whatever this, this end tournament would be. And then you maybe have to take like a week or two to kind of get some of the teams that had been eliminated back up to game speed. And then you try to do a full rollout in March or the beginning of April. And that's the way that you can try to get as many butts and seats as possible. It's a way to still limit the exposure. It's still a way to limit the amount of different cities. These guys have to travel to. And it does kind of create some intrigue. Like the NBA was messing around with the idea of maybe doing some kind of a midseason tournament. They did the play-in tournament that went over really, really well in Orlando leading into the the postseason where it happened between like the eights and nine seeds. Like maybe there is something to be said for trying to drum up interest by doing something like this. And it doesn't have to be something obviously that would happen long-term, but it kind of addresses the issue, the elephant in the room, which is, we probably can't start games with a large number of fans. There are going to be cities that are going to flat out ban fans from being in arenas anyway, but this adds a level of intrigue. You're going to get to see some teams play against, you know, it's, it's really not like you're out of league. So you're, you would usually play Eastern conference teams, but I think you, maybe you get it. What, or, or what if you did North and South, you did Canada, you did the Northern division and the Southern division and so then you had uh, Western Conference teams in the north half of the country going off to play Boston and Philadelphia. I mean, that would be an interesting way to do it, right? That would at least shuffle. You would see some different matchups.
1: Russ, I, impre- I appreciate your ambitiousness. That's I appreciate your, um, your quick thinking, your creativity, your, your outside-the-box thinking, you know, your brainstorming, which is happening right now. I hate the freaking idea. Okay. I hate it. And and not just for hockey. I I hate it in general. I didn't – I mean, I know the NBA had success with what they did, but you and I both know that the reason that they put that together was to try and get one team and one player into the playoff because they knew it would help with their TV ratings. Sure. It was the only reason that they did it. And, yeah, it was successful because uh, who was it that went on
0: the run? Um, Well, they they got – they got uh, Portland. Portland went on a crazy Portland. run. Portland went on that the crazy wasn't run. that wasn't the team they actually wanted to get in the postseason. No, I know they, it wasn't. Yeah, they wanted they to wanted get to Zion, Williamson. Yeah, Zion Williamson. Yeah, they wanted Zion Williamson, the number one pick in the draft, to to make the postseason. That right, didn't but, work out, but but Portland but, Portland went crazy and got in. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um,
1: and that's all well and good, but that was that was that's different. I don't necessarily know if you're going to start a season with something like that. And what's the what is the end result of a tournament? if you're going to still have playoffs in april, may and june, right? Like what's the what does the in-season tournament get you? What does that bring? What if it
0: adds points? What if you do end up adding the points that you would get from those games into the regular season standings? Now, would it would it be unfair? Like could it theoretically be a buffer? Could it be a thing that would take the the top 2 or 3 teams in that tournament and maybe give them an unfair advantage possibly, but it it does give Unless, here's another idea. Although we learned, we learned this,
1: and I'm going to stop you just for one second you can sure. before you give me your other idea. We learned what this quote-unquote unfair advantage does to teams in the bubble, in the sense that the top four played these three meaningless games mm-hmm. while everybody else was playing games that mattered. And then all of a sudden, we saw, you know, here with the Flyers, oh, crap. Right? Like, they're not up to speed with the Montreal Canadiens. They're not up yep. to speed with the New York Islanders because those teams had to be ramped up and ready to go while the Flyers were still kind of in training camp mode there. So that's why, that's why the only, you know, you sit there and say, okay, well, you win that tournament, maybe, you know, you get a, a buy or you don't have to play that first round. Okay, fine, but is that
0: really an advantage? I, I don't know. I'm not certain that it is. Draft compensation. Hear me out. Go ahead. You do a draft lottery anyway. The winning team of the tournament gets an increased uh, draft lottery percentage. So if it's usually the top, what is it? Top three teams get a 12 and a half. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking NBA. No, that's right.
1: No, it's top three. Yeah.
0: What if you, instead for the year, you made a top four. So it's the three worst records in the league, plus whoever wins that in-season tournament. You divvy that up equally. And now that's your bonus. It's not bad. That, it's certainly man, not it's, bad. You can't do anything to the cap. Like, there, I can't see saying, like, if, <laughs> if you win the in-season tournament, uh, you get, like, a, a one-time, over-the-cap, you know, $5 million grace to go out and make an acquisition. Like, I, I can't see that ever being something that would be agreed to. No. It so, not. I think draft compensation, like, there might be a way to do something. It's unlikely. Yeah. But we're spitballing here.
1: No, I, I, I like I, the way I kind of thought about it, Ross, and I, I had mentioned to you, and, you know, I don't have any inside information on what the league is is thinking of doing. And so when I suggested those four teams at a time in a location around Robin, that was kind of me going off the top of my head. Um, but my thought process there was at least you're playing the same seven teams mm-hmm. over the course of maybe – you know 21 to 28 games so you're 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 looking at like seven four game sessions four team sessions over the course of 28 games which if you're starting in you know if you start in february and you do 28 i'd say you do 28 right and then you that gets you to probably the end of march and then maybe in april you say all right we have to play 20 games in april to get a 48 game season, which is what the league has done before with the two with the two lockouts when they had lockouts and played shortened seasons, they played 48 games. So that's what I'm thinking. So you're doing a round robin of 28 games and then a 20-game season with fans in attendance, 10 at home, 10 on the road. At least gives teams a little bit of revenue. I mean, it's not great, you know, mm-hmm. and and you're you're still trying to manage without bringing in anything more than television revenue. But if you're doing these tournaments over the course of so many days, you can have what we thought was the best part about the bubble was having hockey all day long, right? Like just having games like and, and on TV. And so you use your TV partners to broadcast the regular season games, but it's still fun. I mean, you may not have as much interest as you had for playoff hockey, but you'll still have some interest and you still have games going all day long and then you know it's it's always going to be games on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday and then the teams yeah. have everybody's off every Monday and then Tuesday, Wednesday is like a travel travel day or whatever or, you know whatever whatever maybe maybe you have a couple games in there on Tuesday, Wednesday whatever but you really try and spread it out so maybe like the Canadian games are Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday Another division's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Another division Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or whatever. However you want to do it, so that they're spread out and everybody gets three days. You know, plays four days and three out of four days, and then they're off three days. So I, I I think you get you get to the end of the season by the end of April. You can get the season wrapped, a real playoff wrapped up by the end of June. And your draft gets your draft maybe gets moved a week or two, and free agency maybe gets moved a week
0: or two, and you're back on track for twenty one, twenty two. I'm so excited because I'm going to tell you. This is this is how the NHL can drive up interest, guarantee fans in the stands, increase revenue and garner t- tons of attention nationally. You ready? By by playing for the supporter shield? <laughs> no. NHL teams should come to an agreement with their respective MLB Or NFL teams, they should work together in a collaborative way to try to ensure that there could be the possibility of outdoor games in cities or at least within state boundaries, because I know that some teams might not have an NFL team, in a way to guarantee that there are fans in the stands. If you think of what social distancing guidelines have been and the amount of fans that have been allowed into NFL games, it is certainly more than what you would be allowed to do in an arena. Even in a worst case scenario, If you were to socially distance, and again, let's imagine that we're talking about the season happening like February, March, right? In a 70,000 seats stadium, you should be able to get at least 10,000 people in, right? 10,000 people is certainly a solid amount of fans to have and is worth the while of the NHL team in terms of gate revenue. And obviously you would have to cut in the NFL or the MLB team, whichever one you could partner with to have the games occur. It would still allow you to have fans be distanced. It would create a a real spectacle, right? I know that it might kind of water down what the Winter Classic is, but the NHL has already figured out the logistics of how to make something like that work.
1: Yeah, the only thing with that, the only thing with that, and you're not, it's not a terrible idea, except that I think that the cost of putting something like that on as often as you're suggesting would be prohibitive. Otherwise, like if you could do it, I mean, you, you look at, you know, I, just quickly running through the standings. So the Bruins, you could partner with – well, I mean, if you're talking about well, doing so it – So
0: let me – so here, here are the NFL so teams that – Well, are, no, no, who, no, but hold on a second. If you're talking ahead, about doing it
1: February or March – you could also use baseball stadiums, right? You don't That's necessarily yeah. have to use
0: football, okay? So for the – if you wanted to get crazy, you could even include – honestly, you could include MLS stadiums in this. Now, they're smaller, so you you would only be able to get a few thousand fans in, but that for some places might be better than what you'd be able to get sure. in the arena. So Boston, I would say Fenway
1: because um, the Patriots play out in Foxborough, which is is not in, in Boston, Boston. I mean, it's a little, not far, but whatever. Tampa's the team that doesn't really have – an outdoor stadium, unless you're talking about Raymond James, um, but there's always something going on there in yeah. Tampa. I mean, you got bowl games going on down there. You got, I, I don't know, I, yeah, I guess, I, I guess that would work. <laughs> um, and plus with the heat, man, I don't yeah, know. See, this is the thing. If if the NFL, if the
0: NFL standings held out as is, you would figure that Heinzfield isn't going to be available for until. The beginning of February, right? Because the Steelers yeah. are, are first in the standings. What the you, you, got, you got Kansas City is the thing? second overall, the Buffalo. Pirates, the Stadium. Yeah. Um Buffalo, Tennessee, Baltimore, Indianapolis, Cleveland, well, some, and Vegas. Yep. Those are those are the teams in the AFC right now that are in playoff contention. The the uh NFC side of things, Seattle doesn't have a team yet. Then you've got yes Tampa Green Bay could maybe be available as a neutral site
1: we got Milwaukee which is only yeah.
0: 45 minutes away from Milwaukee. uh Philadelphia obviously New Orleans um although that's There's no not Milwaukee exactly the new same Orleans. yeah no but i'm saying like if you want if you needed a neutral site um Arizona it's, in, it's indoor though yeah i know um Arizona and then what you've got the Rams stadium the Rams stadium the new one is that doesn't that Rams, have a retractable roof Rams and yeah so Chargers, that, could, that could and Chargers, right? Yep. Play there, and then right? and then of course the Bears. So like I'm not saying that it's perfect, and I'm not saying that it's hundred percent guarantee that it could work. But like it would be an interesting way to do it because if you're cutting in the NFL or the MLB or even the MLS team in on some kind of a split gate for this, it still might help them recoup some of the losses that they've had by not being able to have fans in their games. And by the way, there are more games obviously happening in quote unquote, home arenas or home stadiums than would otherwise be happening for an NFL stadium anyway. It's not a perfect plan, but it could work. It is something that like, you're right, it could be cost prohibitive. And maybe this is something where you kind of do a fusion of your idea off the top and a fusion of this idea. Maybe you don't call it a bubble. You don't call it a hub, but maybe you do limit this to, I don't know, six sites, eight sites, and you're you're using eight football stadiums or eight baseball stadiums or a combination of both, and that at least is kind of guaranteeing you that you can get fans in the stands, you kind of put them in sort of centralized locations where you can get fan bases from a few different cities in to be able to see it, plus you're putting it in a place where, like, people are going to be starving for sports anyway. You might pick up people that otherwise wouldn't care uh, about hockey or even people who might just be – enticed by the idea of going to see an outdoor hockey game at a football stadium you know like it could be a neat way to to try to make things work and drum up some interest and of course drive money drive revenue for a sport that right now doesn't look like it's going to be getting much at the gate
1: yeah i just i just worry about you're welcome yeah i just worry about warm, warm weather cities i just i mean i know they can play a game there i don't know how how much you can like leave in a, leave a rink there. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't know, I mean, I know that they they've worked it out where you can play an outdoor hockey game in a warm weather city and control it within that for that game. Yeah. But boy, oh boy, can you leave that there without causing
0: damage to the ice? I, I don't know. Then maybe that, that maybe the, the lower 48 and the lowest of the lower 48 are going to have to be the ones that aren't going to be able to really play home games.
1: You know, and, and, and then well, and you keep that in mind also canada um i know they have canadian football league stadiums where you can where they've played heritage classics outdoors and stuff like that um i'm not certain that vancouver has one has an outdoor f- facility other than maybe they're do they have a do they have a soccer team
0: vancouver, vancouver? yeah the whitecaps
1: okay so well, if you build they, it they will come what do they what do they hold that uh, building?
0: it's a pretty big one hold on let me look
1: yeah i mean that's that's the one that I think of. I mean, I know Calgary's got an outdoor stadium and Edmonton's got an outdoor stadium. I'm
0: All right, Ottawa. B, um B C Place. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot. B C Place is huge. Yeah. Um BC Place can hold sixty thousand. Oh wow.
1: Okay. Then it is big
0: that can't be is that right yeah because it's it's it it's one of the most european looking look up bc place it's one of the most uh european looking venues it it does have an open it's a like an open air i mean they have the what what do they call the things like the 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 runners across the top you know what i'm talking about where it's not a full roof it's the you still have the big opening I don't know, it's like the covered rafters or whatever. Right. Same idea. That, but that's the you only, can you can see a lot of people there. So like maybe Yeah.
1: And the other thing is is though, is that if you're gonna go to watch hockey in that time of year, are you I mean it's one thing to go for one game, but are you gonna constantly go and sit out in sub zero temperatures? I mean, I'll tell you, man. I could remember being in Edmonton in January, February at a time where the temperature was the coldest I've ever experienced and you couldn't walk out of the hotel without your face being on fire from the cold Mm -hmm. how cold it was and it was sub-zero temperatures like I don't know I don't know if fans will actually go sit out in that I mean some will fans are some fans are nuts right they will but Man, that's tough. I don't that's even a tough know if this call. is
0: really trying to sell it to like season ticket holders to do it. Like, I think you just kind of make the exception where like you're going to keep them on their their normal plan. Uh, They have the option to opt out for the season. I think that there's enough of a novelty factor to it that yeah, it could be interesting. I, at least if you compare the difference between doing something like that versus not having anybody in at all in arenas. I mean, cost is obviously going to be an issue, but you do kind of have to wonder. And I don't know what the cost is, and I. I certainly, maybe it's something we have to reach out about, but like, I don't know what the actual cost would be for the infrastructure that you would need to have the rank, have everything brought in and maintain the ice, which obviously as you brought up is, is really the biggest concern in some of the, the warmer climates, but it's at least an idea. It's at least a thought. And if you were able to jam in a bunch of games, you could even theoretically go all the way into, I don't know, mid-January, depending on some of the teams that are still playing in the NFL playoffs at that point you theoretically could make this work for half of July, February, and beginning of, of March. It's not going to be exactly roasting in, uh, in some of the southern states, but it might might cause uh, some logistic issues. Anyway, I feel better now. I think Good. people feel I'm better. Glad you feel better. Let's end it there because that's actually a positive place to leave the show. And I'm sure there are other things that we'll have to talk about. There are probably some other topics that we could have hit on today.
1: Like but the I'd Flyers' rather...
0: third jersey? You mean the reverse retro? Jersey, the leaked Jersey, the reverse retro Jersey. It's a disgrace. We're going to get into it next week. No, I, I don't you want to don't do want to, this now. Uh, okay. I don't want to do this now. It's a disgrace. I, I, if we're being honest and we will get into this next week, but if we're being honest, the real Jersey, that people want is the black Jersey. That's what people want. They want the Peter Forsberg Jersey that I have in my closet. That's what they want. Just give the people what they can you, want. Can you? Well, I don't know. Uh, we're gonna yeah, get okay. you know it. I'd be
1: okay with it. I'm, I'm not. A, I'm not opposed to the black
0: jersey. I just like the old orange color. As a buffer, so we're not gonna ask for a mailbag, but as a buffer for the thousands of listeners of Snow the goalie, I want you on Twitter or on Instagram. You know where to find us. at Snow the goalie at Anthony at Joy on Broad. Let us know what your favorite Flyers jersey is. Like, I want power rankings and I want rationale. I want reason. I want people to go at each other. I want to know what your favorite Jersey is. And if you had your say, if you had your way, which Jersey would you bring back? Which one and why? I know that there are some people who say like, you can't bring back those jerseys because the Flyers didn't win anything. Then like, there's this whole thing about you shouldn't use a retro Jersey. If your team wasn't very good or your team didn't actually win the whole thing. I disagree with that. I do too. But there are some people who are, who are kind of, Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs like that. So let us know on Twitter. Let us know on Instagram, even Facebook, facebook facebook.com slash know the goalie. Let us know which Jersey you would bring back. If it's too hard for you and you have three drop the three and let us know why. And we'll talk about it next week. There are going to be other things too, but this at least gives us something that we can kind of hold on to. We can kind of let permeate, let it kind of um, percolate. We're going to let it percolate, you know? Like my coffee up on the stove. I hope my house didn't burn down. It didn't. We're good. All right. For Anthony at Aunt San Philly, I'm Russ at Joy on Broad. Thanks for listening to Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the People's Podcast, Players Podcast, Prognosticators Podcast, Presidential Podcast, Peter Light Podcast, Peppers Podcast, the only Flyers Podcast.